Starting off this Colgate Raider Report podcast, talking Colgate football. Very glad to be talking to one of the star players for your Colgate football team, Alex Matthews. How good did that first win feel, Alex? Just tell the listeners a little bit about the feeling after you saw zeros on the scoreboard and Colgate with a 21-20 victory. It was crazy to think that a win after being 0-7 could feel so good, just knowing that we've worked so hard in the off season and all the hard work finally paid off. I mean, we would have, would have liked it to have paid off a little bit sooner in the season, but we are happy to finally get our first win. And I mean, obviously, after the season we had last year, we're all accustomed to winning games and no one ever likes to lose. So it was definitely a really, really good feeling to get our first win, especially against one of our rivals, Cornell. And you had a major footprint on this win, Alex. Describe Colgate's longest run play of the year as you carried the pigskin for 49 yards on a first and 15 in the third quarter. Just tell the listeners out there what you saw on that play and talk about the execution as well. I mean, for me personally, I had it easy on the play, to be honest. Uh, my receivers were had a really good block on the outside and blocked the DBs downfield for me and sprung the play wide open, and uh, our old lineman had a pretty good block on the interior side of it and sealed the linebacker, so I was able to get to the edge of it. From there, I had the easy part. Everybody else did a really good job just helping me out in the play and sprung the play wide open. I know it wasn't your flashiest touchdown, but every time you get a TD, it's great news, especially since this turned out to be the difference. So tell the listeners about that one-yard touchdown run. Yeah, I mean, uh, on the goal line or in any short yardage plays, where as a running back, we like to be counted on and reliable just to get the short yards every time, and it was nice to get into the end zone. Like you said, every time you score a touchdown is always a good feeling. So definitely with that touchdown being the game-winning touchdown, it was an even better feeling. That is Alex Matthews on the Colgate Raider Report podcast. Discuss your relationship, Alex, with Malik and how you make one another better. He's been here for a few years now, so we've uh, been able to be in the same backfield for the last couple of years, and we hang out outside of football and we just have a really good relationship with each other. We're really good friends, like I said, on and off the field. We're able to joke around with each other and really have a good relationship. So it makes it easier come game time to really feed off each other and give each other pointers of what we're seeing on the field or what we think the other person could do better in certain plays. And we're both really good at just bouncing ideas off each other and really help each other to be better all around running backs, I feel. And even though we haven't seen much of Tristan Fairchild, I know he adds a lot to the running back room. President of the leadership team of the Colgate Chapter of Uplifting Athletes, and he has some serious talent, too. Oh, yeah, definitely. He's another guy we can always count on, and he's really reliable. If he ever gets thrown in the game, he can make plays for us, and it's next man up mentality, so the level of play never dips. Whenever he gets in the game, we always know he's going to be able to do everything expected. And like you said, he's a really good leader, too, so it's really Really lucky to have him in our backfield. What are Coach Livingston's strengths? So this year, it's our first year with Coach Liv, and I really, really love having him uh, with the running backs. He's done a really good job at, I think, helping us with our footwork and a lot of the little things like ball security and getting our vision, reading up the, the blocks from the linemen, everything he works on us with in practice just to help us become all-around better running backs. I think he played running back in college. He's able to really mesh with us a lot more, I think, and is able to help us out with more things that he was able to experience in his college days too. So I really like him as a coach. Colgate football always looking sharp, especially this past weekend in the all-white uniforms. What did you think of the all-whites, Alex? <laughs> yeah, I was excited to wear the all-white on white finally. You always joke about look good, feel good, play good. So, I mean, I think a lot of the guys just had a lot more confidence with the swagger we had. So I would definitely be a fan of the white on whites in the upcoming weeks. Sometimes you can take the finished product for granted. So just tell the fans out there all the hard work that you have to put in to get where you're at on the football field. Yeah, I mean, this all comes in the off season, just focusing on the little things, trying to improve and really honing in on your weaknesses to try to turn the weaknesses into strengths. A big thing for me is just focusing on my blocking and my being able to catch up the backfield a little bit better. I've just tried to become all-around complete back and not be a one-trick pony, as you guess you could say. Try to become more of an all-around back that can do it all, all three downs, all four downs. And I think this year, kind of my work on offseason has kind of paid off and definitely trying to still put some more work in and see where I can take it. Let's go into the classroom for a second. Has philosophy been an enjoyable major at Colgate or has it caused more headaches than smiles? <laughs> it's definitely been enjoyable. Of all the classes I've taken, I mean, 
I'm the type of person that loves to just analyze ideas and really think about the rationale and why things are. So, I mean, all the classes I've taken here in philosophy, I've really enjoyed just going and just, I guess, really just debating ideas with my peers and everything. So not too much of a headache, but I mean, I guess all classes can be a headache at times. I understand you spent the off season in California. How did that come about and what was out there for you? That was a really good experience, actually. I had a couple years ago, my sophomore year, I met an alumni at a Cal Poly game. We were out in California and my parents were actually sitting by an alumni who works at a production company in LA. And they introduced me to him after the game and kind of built a relationship with him over the last couple of years, and he helped me to get the, in- the internship at his company, Renegade 83, out in L.A. It was a production company. They do uh, reality TV shows. One of their big shows is Naked and Afraid, and I was able to actually go on set for one of the new shows, one of the new reality shows they were filming, and I was able to be on set for that and was able to work with the concept development team, just coming up with new show ideas and also work with the post-production team. So it was a really good experience. I got a whole whole uh, little look at the production company, and I think that's a really good business I would, would love to get involved with. Did you expect it, Alex, or was it stunning to you the amount of editing and all the behind-the-scenes work that has to be done to produce the finished product? I was actually a little surprised of just the time it takes for the post-production side. They can get 48 hours of footage and got to cut it all down to an hour, and it's just really, really cool just to see them go through the whole process of editing all that down to a really, really good show. So it was a little surprising, yeah, but really cool to see. Is this senior year of Colgate something you're embracing or trying not to think about because it reminds you the end of your Colgate career is near? Try not to think about the end, obviously. I mean, just trying to take it one week at a time and focusing on the little things and just trying to appreciate everything I can and not take anything for granted, knowing that it is my last year here at Colgate. So like I said, just try to take advantage of everything I can every single day. Talking to Alex Matthews on the Colgate Raider Report podcast. Did I see this right? Did you wrestle in high school, Alex? I did, yes. How does being a good wrestler, because I remember back in the day, Nate Eaches was a heck of a wrestler, and of course he had a legendary career at oh, Colgate yeah. and went on to the NFL. So how does being a good wrestler, how do those skills transfer over to the football field? Well, for me personally, at running back, I think it helps with my uh, my footwork and just you know, having good balance and just being able to, I guess, contort my body in ways that might not be doable for other people and squeezing through certain certain holes to make better runs out of runs that might not be might not look too good to begin with but I mean I think wrestling in general just helps you with your balance and footwork overall not just at running back but any other position linebackers D linemen it just helps you not just with the footwork side of things but also just how hard the sport is and the the mentality you got to have to push through adversity I think it helps with that side of things, too. I did not know this, but Thomas Ives' current quarterback went to your high school. I call him Thomas Ives' quarterback. Other people call him Mitch Trubisky. <laughs> did you ever meet Mitch? Did you play with Mitch? Yeah, actually, my, my freshman year, I was playing with him, so it was really cool to just watch him and, I guess, witness greatness, you could say. I'm actually really good friends with his, his younger brother, and he has two younger brothers. I'm good friends with both of them, so, I mean, in the summers, I'd always be over their house and hanging out and... Whenever Mitch was back home, back when he was at North Carolina, he'd be back home sometimes, and he'd be over there and be be playing video games with us and stuff. And so, yeah, I'm I'm really good friends with his younger brother, and I was able to see Mitch a couple times. I haven't seen him lately, the last couple of years, but I know he he comes back to our high school just for for games sometimes. I know he's uh he likes to show support for his hometown and proud Mender alum. Speaking of siblings, how was it growing up with two sisters? <laughs> Yeah, that was a little bit difficult. I mean, at times uh, I really wanted to, I guess, wanted to fight them all, like, growing up just to get on my nerves. But you got to find ways around that, obviously, just because they're my sisters. And it got frustrating at times, but I definitely enjoy having two older sisters uh, guide me through things in life. And they're still helping me today with struggles I might face. So definitely great to have two older sisters that care about me. And mentor known as the Fighting Cardinals, did that mascot live up to that billing? Did he look like a bird ready to fight or not so much, Alex? <laughs> definitely. I mean, well, our mascot was just the head of a cardinal, but we we definitely embraced the Fighting Cardinal aspect of it. We were always ready to go, and we were a rough-nosed team that 
would like to play physical. So, Alex, great stuff. Thank you so much. Great game against Cornell. Hoping it continues. Best of luck the rest of the way. Thank you very much. Going from Alex Matthews to now the head coach, Dan Hunt for Colgate Football on the Colgate Raider Report podcast. Coach, first of all, how did it feel to get that first win last Saturday against Cornell? It was a relief, obviously. Uh, you know, it's hard to win a football game, and I think the hardest football game to win is your first one. And obviously, uh, you know, we had not done enough to do that. And you can say that, you know, whatever you want your record to be or whatever, but when you don't have any wins, it weighs on you. And, uh, you know, you could feel a little a little tension get lift off of everybody. And, um, you know, it's always easier to prepare for your next opponent coming off a win than it is coming off a loss. Yeah, and you could see the celebration after the game. You were greeting players as they were going off the field. Like you said, had that different feel because until you get that first one under your belt, you certainly can't work on number two. Psychologically, emotionally, it was tough. I mean, it was over 300 days since our last win. You know, the last win we had was that James Madison playoff win. And those kids have done a lot since then. They've put in a lot of work. And, you know, it's been a tough, you know, eight weeks leading up to this that they've endured and worked hard through and never gave up. And so just to see how happy they were, especially with a dramatic win, it made me feel good. And I was really happy for all of them. I don't know how much the current players know about this stat, Coach, but with the dominance Colgate has had of late, this historic series with Cornell is now tied at 49. The alum have to be loving that stat, Coach. Yeah, I actually gave that stat to the team on the Thursday before the Cornell game, that we could be the team that evened this series up. And so they knew about it. They were aware of it. I told the players that rivalry with Cornell will probably mean more to you as an alum than it does as a player because the alums, they seem to always work with Cornell grads. That's a big one. That's a big one. And, um, you know, but we did mention that it, it tied the series up. So hopefully next year we tilt the ledger in our favor. So used to the overnight road games where you go to the destination, you spend the night, you get ready, and you go to the stadium the next day. But this is one of those rare day trips any adjustments hanging into the game for a day trip or kind of takes the kids back to their high school days it does take the kids back a couple years ago when we first started turning cornell into a day trip i had asked the players i wanted to go high school style get school buses and you know put the pads on and just carry your helmet and shoulder pads and uh really make it high school but they didn't want that but uh it's definitely different you know i was a little nervous because it was a little bit nappy in the locker room my kids were a little bit tired just had such a little bit different feel to it when we keep rephrasing it as we're going back to the high school days i think they appreciated it It's just something different they're in their own beds friday night before a road game it's an opportunity with Cornell being that close, we get an opportunity to try it. And, uh, you know, and we're undefeated since we started doing it, so I think we'll probably keep it up. Let's break down some of the significant plays in the game. Aiden Gartner with an athletic pick. I'm sure he made many of those back in the North Oaks neighborhood when he was growing up, Coach. No doubt. You know, it was good to see. He's a leader of the, our defense. He's, he's a captain, obviously, and he was asked to go into a rotation. He went from taking you know, 90% of the snaps to probably taking 60% of the snaps. And he knew that it was better for the team and, and that he'd be a better player when he was in there if he wasn't taking so many. And uh, I think there were some great results uh, when we started doing it. But I was happy to see him uh, really make, uh, you know, the first of a couple. I thought our defense got us not only getting us turnovers, they were very timely. So that was a huge play. After watching the film, what did you see on the touchdown pass from Brenneman to Gill? It looked in live action like both guys making plays, Grant getting free to throw it, and Gill coming back and getting it. 100%. It was something that actually we had noticed on film about Cornell's defense. A couple teams had hurt them with some scrambles and guys coming back to the football away from the original play. And, uh, you know, it worked out perfectly. We were originally running a little something that was supposed to roll to the left. Grant pulled up, started going back to the right, and Nick, you know, broke from the back corner of the end zone to the goal line, and, and Grant threw it perfect where he only he could get it. So uh, it kind of came right to fruition what we talked about, and, uh, you know, they were both ready to make that play, and that was a huge play for us. Nick Drow also had a couple of how-did-he-do-that catches. He seems to really be progressing and getting better week by week. Yeah, I've been really happy with him. He stayed healthy, first of all, which is something he hasn't been able to do. Like you said, making a couple eye-opening plays. I think one of the things that's helping us with our wide receivers is we get them involved also by handing them the ball. So they they get they don't go on long stretches without touching the football. And uh, so then they're comfortable having it in their hands. I thought Nick made a couple, like you said, uh, a couple highlight reel catches. And then even even some of their running after catches was impressive. You know, they were able to break a couple tackles and gain yards and, and, and run physically. So uh, I was really happy with them as a group on how they performed in that game. Quite a momentum swing at the half, Coach. <laughs> so as the head coach, what do you do? Is silence the best medicine or was some clear messaging needed at this point to the team? That was certainly a gut punch, and we've taken a lot of gut punches this year. We've had a lot of bad things happen to us right before halftime. Nothing to that level of the, uh, you know, basically the 
seven points taken off the board and seven given to them as the clock expired, you know. So what I decided I was going to do was I wanted to take the temperature of the room at halftime and, and adjust what I was going to say based on where we were. I felt like our kids were still in a pretty positive place. It was the most upbeat we'd been on a sideline. Even after that, they were still kind of upbeat in the locker room. So, you know, I didn't have to come in with the fire and brimstone. I reminded them that this was the first time all year, even after that play, that we were ahead at halftime. So I kind of fed on that, on what we were doing well and what our defense was doing and, and, and kind of took the positive role to make sure that we weren't feeling sorry for ourselves. And uh, But I was overall, I was pleased with the state of mind in the locker room at halftime. You know, they weren't dwelling on it. They still felt confident. And so definitely didn't want to take that away. Just kind of fed on that. It doesn't take much to confuse myself and especially that Jeff Bishop character coach. But <laughs> what is the ruling on that one play originating from the Cornell end zone that was ruled illegal touching? If it was at the feet of the linemen with no running backs or wide receivers around, it's intentional grounding and a safety. But if a big boy holds on, it's a pedestrian penalty like illegal touching. Just kind of break that down. So if that guy doesn't catch it, is it a safety? If that guy doesn't catch it and they rule it intentional grounding, it would be a safety. Correct. I was expecting a safety at that point too. Uh, I have actually written uh, the head of the officials to get a ruling clarification because if that's the case, that could be a teaching point to our quarterback if you're about to get sacked in the end zone. So what they ruled was that the penalty didn't occur in the end zone because it was an illegal touch. So the illegal touch actually took place on the two-yard line. So they enforced the penalty from the spot of the illegal touch because that was the penalty, not the quarterback throwing the ball. Now, I haven't looked at it enough to know if they ruled there was an eligible receiver in the area. Where I got mad, I was, I was very upset at the officials at, at that point. I wanted to decline the penalty. We tackled the lineman on the two. It would have been third down. And what they did was enforce the penalty without asking me, moved it back one yard and made it second down. So in essence, gave them a free play. That's where I was getting on the rest pretty good about that. I, the rule was the rule. I'd be honest with you, I didn't know, you know, but I wanted to decline the penalty and I wasn't given an opportunity to. And if you remember, on the extra play that they got, they threw a long fade ball and flipped the field on us. So that's where my kind of being upset came in. But I'll be honest, it was a new situation to me. I'm still waiting for the exact clarification from the head of the officials if that was indeed the truly right call because if it was, that does affect what you coach your quarterback to do when he's in trouble in the end zone. Coach, never easy to win any game, especially one on the road, and especially when you are flagged 10 times. How is the team able to overcome this? It's frustrating. You know, I mean, a couple of the penalties, you're going to get a, a pass interference at times as a man team, you know, maybe even a holding call. We had a lot of penalties in the two places that have really been nagging us all year. Is we've had, we had penalties on, on special teams plays, on kickoffs and kickoff returns, and we offensively had a lot of penalties before the snap, whether it be an illegal shift, a false start, delay a game. Those are the penalties that are really starting to get frustrating because those are avoidable. And I think you used a key word this week that we weren't able to use until then was overcome. You know, through all the negative plays, we were able to overcome and have enough positive plays to win a football game. You never want negative plays, obviously, but the fact that we were doing enough things well to overcome that was good. That was the first time really offensively that we were moving the ball well enough to overcome a negative play. We have not been able to do that this year. So, you know, that was a positive through all the, the penalties and things. But still, at the end of the day, we need to clean that up. The Cornell turnover inside your five, Coach, is that turnover like a two-step process? Once the defense gets off the field with the ball, the offense then has to move it at least a little bit so the opposition doesn't get it right back in excellent field position. Yeah, that's exactly right. You know, you, you got to be careful. Obviously, you want to get the turnover. And then the impetus really was on the offense there to flip the field. We ended up not getting a first down. We gained eight or nine yards, had to punt, and then we had had a short punt. So at the end of the day, the defense did their job and got the turnover, but then the offense and the special teams kind of let them down and gave them the ball deep in our territory, which led to a touchdown on their next drive. You know, uh, when you're in a tight game, when you're in a defensive game, you know, you got to play the field position game. So, you know, when you get that turnover, really – You've got to get a couple first downs and get a good kickoff to flip the field, and we didn't do that, and that's what led to their turnover, their, to their score that gave them the lead. Kind of fitting that the game came down to a fourth down. Coming into this game, Cornell, six out of seven on fourth down conversions, Coach, and they started off three out of three. So how did Colgate finally come up with a solution for Cornell, who has been absolutely on fire converting fourth downs, a fourth and three, and Colgate was able to stop them? 
Yeah, they're they're a good fourth down team in that they have a within their offense they have a triple option package which they used on us for one of the fourth downs and then they were pretty good at um, exploiting man coverage with some of their their combination of routes and picks and pushing off a little bit to to create separation to get it and, and that's what they try to do on the last play fourth down before that they ran a little pick play to create an open receiver they tried the same play again we were able to get a little pressure on the quarterback and the re- and the defensive backs kind of adjusted a little bit better and gave them nowhere to throw it so uh it was fitting that our defense was on the field they deserved it and um you know it just seems like every time we go to cornell you know that's kind of how the game's been ending so you know it kind of played out like the, like the rest of them non-conference over with patriot league play the rest of the way including holy cross the crusaders currently three and four but their non-conference schedule schedule was a real tough one just like Colgate's what challenges do they present coach they're a good football team they play with a lot of energy uh one thing you notice about this team is uh, they never think they're out of a game and then you can look no further than than our game last year uh with them and, and they've done it a couple times this year you know so they play hard we know that their strength of their team is is their defense you know they'll get after their physical defense they run well to the football you know, offensively, they're starting to find their niche a little bit with a new quarterback. But they'll play with energy. We know that. Our kids know that. Uh, they've got a little chip on their shoulder. Holy Cross really felt they should have beat us last year. We don't agree with that. Our kids don't agree with that. So there's a pretty good rivalry starting to build between these two schools, which is fun. And, and hopefully it'll be a high-energy game. We all see it how great of a job Colgate football does caring for their players when they are on campus. But some of the behind-the-scenes work we don't see as Colgate football also trying to ensure that the success that they have as a student athlete continues post-graduation coach. So tell us about this program. I know uh, there's an interesting article on GoColgateRaiders.com. So what is this program called? How did it come about and how does it work? It's really a kind of a two-pronged approach towards, you know, what we talk about when we recruit a player is, is what are the acceptable outcomes of leaving Colgate? And, and to us, it's obviously it could be the NFL. That's not up to us. And if not, uh, the only other acceptable outcome is them pursuing and, and achieving a career that they want, not just a job, but the right job. And I think that's something that we really train our kids for is to make sure that they they don't want to set their goals just getting a job, is they want to find you know, a career that's fulfilling to them, a career that is what they want to do and challenging them. And so from the time a player arrives on our campus, there's two specific groups that they'll work with. One is our career service office, uh, led by Teresa Olson, who does an unbelievable job. And then another is a group of football alums who donate their time and have another curric- a separate curriculum you know, working with our guys just to prep them for the job search. Uh, the first part of it is trying to figure out, hey, what do you want to do? And some of it's figuring out what you don't want to do. And we force them to research different fields. We bring in uh, alumni who do different careers to kind of give a seminar as far as what's really involved with that job. Um, and then that we have them contact people and, and, and do a little research on their own. And through that, you know, they, hopefully they, they start to get a feel for, you know, what do they really want to do. And then through the career service office and then also with Tiger Dunlop, then we work on their interview skills. Um, you know, one of the things that college really, you have your classwork, but they don't really prep you for the actual ins and outs of, a, let's say, the business world, you know. And they will come in and they will learn, you know, how to talk about themselves in a positive way, how to network, you know, little things like what they should wear to an interview, you know, what they should have ready. You know, so we kind of build them to be ready to go after these jobs and internships. And then if they graduate, as they graduate from that program, now we have the list of all the the Colgate football alumni in all the different fields who want to help them, who want to get them internships or maybe even be a job, but we don't give them access to that until they've proven that they're ready for it. So it's a lot of work for these kids, but it's really yielding some great results. Kids are finding jobs and internships that, you know, aren't just checking a box. It's what they want to do and, and they're and they're really blossoming from it. So it's really it's a unique program. Uh, you know, our career service office is great, our alumni are great. And um, you know, it, it's been in probably in about year year two or three right now being in full swing and we're seeing great results. You always make the podcast better, coach, and you carry me. So I'm always appreciative <laughs> of that, coach. I appreciate it. Best of luck against the Crusaders this week in Worcester Mass. Well I know you usually carry Bishop, so uh, maybe I'll, <laughs> I'll return the favor. But uh, thanks so much and I look forward to it. That is Coach Dan Hunt on the Colgate Raider Report podcast. Talking volleyball now on the Colgate Raider Report podcast and very pleased to be talking to one of the stars of the Colgate volleyball team. That is senior volleyball standout Alex Stein. 8-0 Patriot League start. What does this type of start mean to you and your teammates, Alex? 
it feels absolutely amazing. I know that the team in general has not started league play 8-0 and since 2012. And since I've been here, we've had kind of rough starts. So it feels amazing. We played some very strong teams during preseason, so that prepared us well. And everyone's been working hard every day since the second last season ended with the same goal in mind, which is to win the conference. And now that we've played everyone in league and know that we can beat them all, it certainly gives us some confidence being 8-0 moving into the second half. What do you think the difference is with this team compared to the three other Colgate teams you were a part of? I would say that the thing that makes this team better than teams I've been on in the past is that there's so much depth in literally every position. Our practices are extremely competitive, uh, which is awesome because when we uh, scrimmage starters versus non-starters, the non-starters are actually better than virtually everyone we play in Patriot League. So that definitely keeps everyone from becoming complacent. Each player on the team brings something very unique to the table. So that range of talent in the gym forces everyone to play their best at all times uh, and also alleviates some pressures from the starting lineup because it's really tough to show up and have your A-game every single day, but when you know that there are so many other people that could give you the room and step up in times of need, uh, it's very reassuring, and yeah. Well, you had yet another double-double against Navy this past weekend, your team-leading 12th double-double to be exact. Talk about the success you have had so far this year. I could not do anything without the rest of the team, and I think that what makes this year so different is that our setter, Julia, has really stepped up and had an absolutely amazing season. She's spreading the offense phenomenally, giving every single one of her hitters one-on-one, toying with the block, and even on bad passes, she does a great job putting me and the other pins in a position to score. With the depth in each position, like we have incredible middles, incredible right sides, two outsides that are playing hard. Like it's, it's hard not to be doing well. Different mindset coming into this year since this is your senior season? I think it's just nice to have one last go and be able to give it my all. I also am very close with everyone on the team. So coming in this year, it's more just building that trust and making sure that everyone's on the same page with coming in and giving it their all every day too. How was alumni weekend this past weekend? Is it a lot of fun or is there some pressure involved since former players are watching you and you want to live up to those standards or it's just a lot of fun? It was awesome, especially because in the past few years, we have struggled in Patriot League. The alumni coming back, it was awesome to be able to show them how far we've come and what they've built and that we're building off of that. But I wouldn't say pressure. It was more just excitement and very proud to be showing them how far we've come. Talking to Alex Stein on the Colgate Raider Report podcast, will be tough to focus on Loyola Friday night knowing American looms large on Saturday? Oh, no, I don't think so at all. We actually, a bunch of people on my team watched the Loyola American game last night. They played each other at American last night. And we've always known Loyola is a great team. They've been struggling a little bit the first half, but they took American to five and almost beat them. So we know that we got to focus Friday, take every game one day at a time. But I think as we've shown in the first half, we're definitely capable of beating both teams. And as long as we show up focused, we should be fine. Playing teams in the non-conference like Alabama, Buffalo, North Carolina, and others. Has that type of non-conference schedule helped coming into Patriot League play? For sure. There is certainly no teams that compare to teams like that in the Patriot League. Um, it forced us to, uh, for our offense, wing higher, dig deeper, and overall just um, have that fighting mentality, especially being the underdog in those situations. You have to go into that game knowing that you're going to have to give it all you've got. Um, and now that we're doing that in Patriot League, Apparently, we've got some more. We have more talent, maybe. Definitely prepared us well. It's been a breeze. Well, I've heard of psychology and I've heard of science, but I don't know if I've heard them both together. So what is psychological science and why did you pick this as a major? (laughs) So psychological science is actually just a more contemporary word or name for psychology. The reason the name is moving towards science because we're learning so much more about the brain and its influence rather than just the meta aspect of looking at like the way people interact. It's actually more complex and more uh, involved in your brain. So especially our department here is more research-based rather than the typical like psychotherapy, psychodynamic models that like Freud and what you think of when you think of like psychology, more science-y. So that's my major. And I was planning originally on going to graduate school for psychology. But recently I decided I want to pursue law school instead, even though I still love psych and I think it's applicable to whatever job you end up going into. Won't be pursuing it for the next however many years, just this year. (laughs) 
Well, congratulations to that. And let's take you back to your high school days at Ward Melville. They've been recognized as a school of excellence by the U.S. Department of Education. So saying that, how did academics in high school get you ready for Colgate? It's actually funny that you asked that because I didn't initially go here. I actually went to William & Mary first and transferred here. But both William & Mary and Colgate are obviously very good academic schools. So um, if I weren't prepared for William & Mary, I definitely wouldn't be prepared for here. It actually was a hard adjustment coming here from uh, my previous school because the classes are so much smaller. I went to a very big high school as well, and William Mary is about twice the size of Colgate. The smaller classrooms, being more intimate with your professor was definitely a change <laughs> my sophomore year, but I think it has helped me grow tremendously. So I'm very lucky that I chose to come to Colgate. It's been awesome. <laughs> and what has been the key to your academic success here at Colgate, Alex? I guess getting pushed out of my comfort zone. I'm not a very quiet person, but in the classroom, I never had enough confidence to speak up, raise my hand, be that person to just know the answer and say it, even if I wasn't completely sure of it. So I think that learning that and taking classes that I wasn't necessarily comfortable taking or that I thought would challenge me has definitely contributed to my academic success and made me into a better overall person. Since you are a senior, are you a seasoned pro at juggling midterms and volleyball or was it always a challenge for you? (laughs) I would say it depends. In past years, sometimes my midterm schedule or Um, The classes I'm taking are extremely demanding, other times not so much. Right now I'm swamped with work, but I think that volleyball is a great outlet for if you are stressed, if you are struggling, turning to your sport and letting that be the way you blow off some steam is uh, a great outlet. So I think that as a senior, I have come a long way. I used to get way more stressed out my sophomore year uh, into my junior year, but I think I've got the hang of it now. So it's about time. Tell us a little bit about your family, your brother and sister. What do they stay busy with? Are they into sports like you? My brother and sister both actually play volleyball as well. They're both younger. My brother ended up quitting indoor volleyball. He was very, very good. He was actually on a USA team. He's 6'5", jumps high, great middle blocker. Um, But he quit to focus on academics. Now he just plays some beach volleyball. My sister's a junior in high school trying to get recruited to play volleyball as well. And she focuses a lot on academics too, but we're all very different, have our own passions. Volleyball is definitely a big thing in my family. And over the summers, we all play beach together. So I always have time for an off-the-wall random question, Alex. So since your last name is Stein, <laughs> have you ever heard of the show Win Ben Stein's Money? I think it was on when you were a toddler, but maybe someone has referenced it or mentioned it since you have the same last uh, name. Have you ever heard of the show When Ben Signs Money? I have not, but I guess I got to check it out now. Yeah, it wasn't a very good show. I know I certainly never won his money, but yeah, why don't you <laughs> check it out since you do have the same last name? Alex, it's been an absolute pleasure. Okay. Thank you for being a guest on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Yeah, for sure. Thank you so much. Thanks again to outside hitter Alex Stein. Now it's on to the head coach, Ryan Baker. Colgate 8-0 in the Patriot League, the longest streak to start a season since the same undefeated streak that started the 2012 Patriot League Championship campaign. Coach, does this team have the same feel of the 2012 squad or much different teams? I think similar as far as uh, the way they approach the game. Um, I think both groups were very competitive. Uh, that's what I would tell you. You both, both of those teams remember the 2012 team being extremely competitive. And this, uh, 2019 team is very competitive as well. So other than that, it's a very different style play, very different personnel. This is an amazing start, but can you and the team really enjoy it in the moment or to keep it going? You can't really think about it too much. I think the team enjoys it a lot more than I do. I put a lot of pressure on myself, and I think they do too, but you know, I think I know what we have going, and I know how special it is. And the, and the good news is for them, they stay focused on the next point, the next play, where I, I thinking big picture and what this could be. So they've been really good. I mean, they, they've shown, I would say, 97% of our practices have been really good. There's been about 3% that I vividly remember as being poor. But other than that, yeah, they, they're really focused. They want to win it. They're hungry to win it. It's a really fun group to coach. So the 2012 team started like this and won the Patriot League title. Do you remember what you did as a head coach back then? And are you taking any learning points from that experience? You know, I think it's 
always in practice. You know, I, what I remember in that group and with this group is you got to challenge them. You got to keep them hungry. You got to make practice feel harder than the match. You know, I think this team has the ability to get bored. I've seen it in matches too, where if you're not playing, if you're not challenging them, they sort of get bored. So I, I try to keep practices short, but pretty intense and a lot of competing and a lot of pushing them to, you know, to try to be better than the matches. Discuss the latest wins, coach. First, let's go back to Saturday, beating Bucknell. Talk about that win against the Bison. Yeah, you know, I thought the team did a really good job showing up. Our effort level was really high. I thought, actually, I was really disappointing with our effort on Friday night versus Navy. I thought we out-talented them maybe in, in positions where we had mismatches, but I didn't feel our effort was good. Where Saturday, you know, we talked about that Saturday morning. We really responded, you know, and then in the third set, Bucknell, you know, definitely got on us early, but I think I was still proud of how we played, and then it was funny. I never felt we were going to lose that third set, and then to see Gabby Bank go on that kind of service run, which is very challenging to do. I was extremely proud of her. You know, I think you got you to gotta have roles, and she's putting her time doing different things for us, and then to come in, that, that's got to be a senior highlight for her, so I was very happy. You mentioned the effort on Friday night, Coach, but tell us a little more about the tussle with Navy. How did you guys end up emerging victorious? Yeah, you know, I think Navy's really good. You know, I think we wanted to win, but there was just moments that I didn't think we executed as well, but we just, you know, I mean, honestly, Eric, this year, I just, we have a lot of talent. They're extremely competitive, and the thing with them is, no matter what the score is, they don't think they're going to lose. They just out-heart people at times. They just jump over people at times. I mean, it's crazy how high and hard we're playing right now, and we're we're and we're smart with the ball, you know. So our system and the way they're buying in, it's it's pretty awesome. So I think if I can get them to play a little bit harder in some situations, it's scary what they can do. Let's talk about some individual highlights. Junior outside hitter Ellie Lau surpassing 1,000 career kills, now holding 1,013 overall. She never is content with her play, is she, Ryan? She keeps pushing no. that extra step. Yeah, I mean, I mean. She's naturally pushing herself all the time. She wants to be great for the team. She she wants to be probably the best player to ever wear a Colgate uniform. I mean, the kid is driven, and she wants to win a league title. She's a special, special, special player. Um, I've been proud of her. She just keeps getting better. I think her game has improved so much since her freshman year. Speaking of getting better, how lights out has Alex Stein been, Coach? Same with Alex, she acts like a senior. You know, I think she she plays the card of she has the experience. She's calm, cool, and collected. I've seen a real maturity in just the way she approaches the game. She doesn't get flustered. Uh, Her numbers reveal that. Those two together is a one-two punch. That that is a huge part of why we're successful. What skill set does Cammie Carfino and Sophie Thompson possess to be able to contribute right away as freshmen? Cammie is one of the best probably beach players in the country, to be honest with you. I mean, she just has such an ability to read what's going to happen before it actually happens. She's played in big matches. She played for one of the best high school uh, coaches and programs in the country, so her game experience is top-notch. And then Sophie is just an elite-level blocker. She has such a presence on the net. You know, when we were recruiting her, we could tell she had the it factor when it came to blocking. So you just notice her. She's 6'2", she pressed, she, she actually changes what hitters on the other side of the net are trying to do because of her presence. Let's talk about this weekend, Coach. Preview the matchups. First up, Loyola, then a rematch with Americans. So let's talk about the Loyola matchup Friday night. You know, I mean, Loyola, last they return a lot of their team from last year. I mean, they had Libero the years back, only a sophomore. They have two outsides that are leading the conference in kills, one and two. So, I mean, they have a high-powered, fast attack. So, if we're not serving well and blocking well, the game becomes very challenging. Uh, and it sounds like it's homecoming for them. So they have a lot at stake. You know, I think we're going to be playing a lot of teams right now that are trying to get in the top six. So the X on our back is huge. And Loyola is going to make us feel like that again on Friday night. And what about the big rematch with American on Saturday? It'll have a championship feel to it. American knows how to win. They're great at home. Uh, you know, I think there's a lot at stake. You know, early on with a lot of matches of what could this match mean for future hosting ability, who's in the top, you know. So I feel like it's going to feel like a championship environment, a championship match, which our team's excited for. Will it be a challenge at all to keep the team focused for Loyola on Friday, knowing what's coming up Saturday? You know, so far, to be honest with you, it has not with this group. 
they've done a really good job of just managing, you know, one match at a time, one game at a time. I hope to say I wouldn't allow it if I can do my best. I, I don't even talk about American at this point because you can only control what's in front of you, which is Loyola on Friday. Let's rewind again to the Bucknell Navy weekend. It was alumni weekend. How did that go? It was great. You know, I mean, it was it was something I talked about last year with two of my former players who then took it on themselves that, hey, can we do an alumni weekend if we help organize it? I said, it would mean a ton to me to have a bunch of you guys back that I coached, you know, and see this team. And so, yeah, I mean, to have some of the, you know, the 2012 championship team players, our 2013, some of our players, uh, first teamers, and just to hear them talk about the team, I mean, they're, you know, as an alum, you feel very uh, tied to your institution, but they were just blown away with our team. I mean, they thought the talent level was just unbelievable. So it, I, it gave me a real sense of pride to hear them say that. How beneficial is it for the current players to see that and to see the alumni, how proud they are of the current players and just kind of feed off past Colgate success as well? How much of a benefit is it for the current players to see players that have donned the Colgate uniform in the past, Coach? Yeah, you know, you talk about it, but to see them in person and to hear from them, you know, I let them talk to the team and to be around that and, you know, I think them telling about, you know, the wins they've had and the banners and how they want to do it. And they said, if we host, they want to come back. And yeah, I think it's a little extra motivation at a time where, you know, I think, like I said, I mean, being 8-0 and has some real challenges with it, just like being 0-8. It's good to keep them grounded, but also, you know, I want them to have fun. There's a lot of pressure on this group to succeed, so... I try to keep it light when we can keep it light. How's the health heading into this weekend? So far, it's been really good. You know, our trainer, Byron, has done an amazing job. The players are taking it seriously. At this point, it's like, can you handle the details, right? You know, midterms have been on us for a month. Can we get our schoolwork done? Can we manage our sleeping? Can we manage our, our injuries and our health? And so far, they're doing a really good job. You know, I think midterm at Colgate, that's the hard part. It's, you know, like, can we keep our sleep intact and our mind right? So we talk about it every day. Coach, I really appreciate your time. As always, best of luck this weekend. First up, Friday night against Loyola, and then Saturday against American. Best of luck, Coach. Thank you so much. That is Colgate Head Volleyball Coach Ryan Baker on the Colgate Raider Report Podcast. One more sport to talk about on the Colgate Raider Report Podcast, and that is golf. Talking to star golfer right now, Alex Morrison. Alex, how good did it feel to win that Bucknell title? It was one of the coolest feelings ever, and to do it at one of our rival Bucknell school on their home turf was awesome for all of us. I think if you asked anyone on the team, they would be super pumped about it. First crown on road soil since 2002. Did you know or did your teammates know, did anyone know going into that final day that it's been that long? I think we all knew it had been a long time, but we had no idea it had been that long. We knew it had been since, I think, 2010 since we'd won a home tournament, or won a tournament in general, but um, for it being that long since it's been a home tournament, I don't think any of us had any idea. Colgate really turned it on late for the last nine holes, combining for seven birdies. You had three of those, four overall for the day. Talk about your career low day. How did you settle into that groove, Alex? Yeah, so, I mean, the day didn't really get started off in the, you know, anything special. I made bogeys on the first two holes and really was in a lot of trouble on the third hole. I was able to make a great putt for par on hole three, then really settled in on the fourth hole, hitting a solid iron shot and making birdie, and the round kind of got rolling from there, made a lot of pars on the front nine, then a really solid par save on 10 to keep the momentum going, and then just hit two great wedge shots to tap in range on 11 and 12 to get it to one under at that point, and then just a lot of pars, kind of playing conservative golf, and then on 18 got a 15-footer to go, which was really cool to do in front of uh, my family, my teammates, coach. That was a pretty cool moment. You mentioned a pair of bogeys over your opening two holes, Alex. You as a freshman, could you bounce back from that, or does it take experience, does it take reps, does it take this kind of competition to kind of hone that mental side of it that you need to really be competitive and able to bounce back? That's got to be an ultimate challenge for a golfer, I would assume. Yeah, absolutely. That's a really good question. And, you know, as a freshman, I think I would have gotten really rattled. And, you know, what I think about it had this year, what I didn't have in years past, was I just trusted myself. And even when things weren't going great early on, I trusted that I had the game to get back from it. And it really was kind of a mental battle coming back from that tough stretch. And, you know, as I said, to get solid putts for par and then birdie on three and four 
was uh, great to bounce back from. And then after that, I really settled in and knew I could play a great round, even though it didn't get off to a tough start, just because I did trust my swing and knew that I had the ability to do it, even with a tough start. There a better way to finish off the fall season than that? No, I don't think so. I think going into the spring and, you know, with the long off season coming up, the whole team is really pumped. Just knowing that we can do it, we've been telling ourselves we can do it for a long time now. And to actually see that materialize and all that hard work come, really come to, you know, to get that win there was awesome. So I think finishing the fall season that way was really special for all of us. This is Eric Malinowski chatting with Alex Morrison, Colgate golfer on the Colgate Raider Report podcast. Overall, how do you think your fall went? I'd say it went really well. You know, I got off to a tough start with um, our home tournament, didn't finish the way I would have liked. But uh, individually, at least, I came back with some solid finishes after that. And then as a team, you know, we weren't really satisfied up until Bucknell. And I feel like we kind of felt that. And that played into the fire that we had on the last day, especially on the back nine, following the live scores, knowing that we have a chance to win it. And um, knowing that we haven't really had that opportunity before, um, really played into the fact that the whole team was rallying around each other that day. So all in all, for the team to finish it up with a win was pretty special, and I think it's a sign of things to come in the future for us. What do you do now to get ready for the spring? What's your schedule like as far as golf is concerned to get ready for the spring season? Yeah, so we're right now we're lifting two times a week, and for me, I think it's important. You know, it's a long season, so I kind of want to recharge with golf. I'm going to go a couple weeks here, probably without touching a club, just to kind of mentally regroup from, you know, really playing all spring into the summer and fall. And then once it's time to get back touch or playing golf again, I'm going to get back into it full swing and really start working at it for the spring season. How do your teammates and Coach Tyberski make you a better golfer? Yeah, that's a great question. I think just with my teammates, the competition, we're all really good friends, and there's a great dynamic on the team, but we all want to beat each other, I think, and I think that's a really good thing to have on a team that where it really is an individual sport, but it kind of comes into this whole team aspect. And knowing that we have that competition of not just – getting into the lineup but once we're in the lineup you know we want to do the best as we can as a team which means everyone performing as well as they can individually and then with coach Dybersky he's just been an awesome resource to have whenever I have any questions about anything putting swing or even just managing the whole life as a division one athlete he's been such a rock these last three years and been a great resource in that sense you won the 2018-2019 Colgate most improved award what was your reaction to winning that yeah that was pretty special I mean I was kind of disappointed after my freshman year and came back and had a solid sophomore year where I felt like I performed a little bit better and worked really hard for that so that most improved award really materialized all that hard work and I think even winning that I knew I hadn't reached my full potential and I still don't think I have so that was a great you know stepping stone in the right direction and Still, I think um, I want to keep working harder, and getting that most improved award was really cool. What makes Seven Oaks in Hamilton, New York, such a special place to play? Yeah, Seven Oaks, I mean, it doesn't get much better than that for college golf courses. We all take great pride in the course, and being in Hamilton, New York, it's obviously a small town, and the whole community kind of takes pride in that golf course. So being able to have that as to our use as a golf team, it's really great, and you know, everyone comes here that plays in our home tournament says it's one of the best courses they play all year in fantastic conditions. So we really are happy that we get to play that course every day. Where did your love from golf come? When did your passion for golf start to form? Yeah, so I mean, I've I've been playing golf really since from a young age, but not competitively until maybe seventh or eighth grade. And I think an important moment for that for me was my home course hosted the 2011 senior open and I went out there and watched that and at that point I really hadn't gotten too into golf I was focused on a lot of other sports and I remember that day I watched Nick Price play uh, a few holes and he signed a ball for me and I thought that was just the coolest thing in the world and then I from that moment golf kind of became my sport I ended up dropping sport by sport all the other sports I played and eventually got down to just playing golf and that's kind of when I really got the Jones for golf. Yeah, did you ever think hockey was where your future was at or that was just something you played for fun? 
No, for my whole life, I mean, hockey, I picked up a stick when I was three, I think. And from that time, I thought that was going to be my future and eventually started realizing that golf was what I loved to do. I think a big factor for that for me was I'd been playing hockey my whole life and golf was kind of this new thing for me that really presented just an infinite challenge to always be getting better. And I really liked that. So I think for a while there, I did believe that hockey was going to be my future, and I really loved hockey and missed playing it every day, but I'm happy that I chose golf, the sport that I did. Your brother also went to sports, or no? Yeah, absolutely. So my brother and I actually were fortunate enough to play on the same hockey team for uh, my junior and senior year of high school, and that was pretty cool. He's also a lacrosse player and played several other sports in high school and I think is participating in some club hockey now at Miami University, and he's enjoying that. What was it like growing up in Toledo, Ohio? Tell us a little bit about what makes Toledo a special place. Yeah, absolutely. I think Toledo was a really special place for me just because, well, for me, I lived in a small town, and that was an environment that I think really molded me as a person. It was cool being from a village where I grew up, you know, playing backyard football with my friends, learning to play, you know, foursquare baseball from the kids down the road. And I think that's kind of where my love for sports began, Uh, just playing for fun, running around the road. And that's kind of the memories I really like to remember from Toledo. And I think that played a big impact on where I am now. Talking to Alex Morrison, one of the stars of the Colgate golf team. Why was Colgate your choice for a university? I mean, how'd you make it from Toledo, Ohio, to Hamilton, New York? Yeah, great question. Colgate was really never a school that I had on my radar. I knew I wanted to play golf in college, and I knew I had the talent to do so, but didn't really have the tournament results to speak to that until really late in my senior year, which was when a lot of the schools in my area had kind of wrapped up recruiting for my class and had a couple schools that I wanted to go to, mainly in the Midwest was where I was looking and kind of got didn't get much leverage with those coaches, talked a little bit to them. But when all of those inevitably didn't work out, I started looking at schools in the Northeast, which is a region I never imagined myself in, and emailed Coach Taberski. He got back to me, and I came out here and visited it and just fell in love with the place and could not be more happy. I came out here, but it was kind of one of those things that just everything came together in the perfect way last minute, and it's been awesome since then. I see you're doing quite well in the classroom. Was it instant success, or it took a little bit to figure things out in the classroom? Yeah, it absolutely was. There was a bit of a learning curve coming in as a freshman and you know, coming to a place that I was really not familiar with at all, trying to meet new people. And golf starts, I think, the day we get to school. So that was a tough little bit at first, balancing that. And my first semester, I struggled a little bit, but started to figure out that college required a little bit more work in the classroom than I had put in in high school. And I think that took a little bit of time to realize. But once I did and I got into a groove, it uh, It's been good ever since then, and it took a little bit of time to figure out at first, but I think I've done pretty well handling it since then. And what about figuring out your major? Why'd you pick economics? For me, economics is kind of the natural choice of someone who's always been a math guy and was interested in the business world. So coming to a liberal arts school, those two kind of mesh together in a perfect way. And I think it plays to my strengths in terms of intellect and that it's a lot of math and relates to business so it's, it was kind of the perfect fit for me and talk about your time at st john's jesuit how did that prepare you for the experience at colgate not only on the golf team but also academically as well yeah well academically it really challenged me i was able to take some upper level classes that prepared me for the challenge of you know tackling the college classroom and then from a golf perspective it really didn't come easy to me at first. I kind of had to battle for a spot in the lineup, especially my freshman year. I got I got a taste of playing on the varsity team, but really didn't get much exposure after that and then had to battle my sophomore year just to have a spot. So I think from the golf perspective, it really taught me to, that I had to compete, that being able to play in the lineup wasn't going to be a given, even when I thought I had the talent to do so. And it really allowed me to have that spirit of competition and that kind of fire to perform when I know I can be playing, but it's not necessarily coming easy. Absolutely great stuff, Alex. I hope we get to talk again. Thank you so much. Best of luck for the offseason and best of luck coming up this spring. 
Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Going from golfer Alex Morrison to the head coach, Keith Tyberski, winning the Bucknell title to close out the fall season. Where does this rank in terms of proudest moments as a coach at Colgate? Thanks for having me. As far as proudest moments in my time since I've been at Colgate, I can't really find anything that might compete with this. You know, having having the lead in the uh, back nine of the league tournament last year was surely a highlight, but uh, getting our first road tournament victory in quite some time and uh, finishing the job in the in the fashion that we did. It was everything I could have asked for as a coach. I was really proud of our guys. Were you aware on that final day of 2002, the year that Colgate Golf last won a road title? I had no idea what the, what the timeline was. Uh, I knew when our last tournament win was at home, and since I've been coaching, uh, I hadn't uh, backfilled and speculated as to when it was before then. But, uh, again, I, just, I couldn't, couldn't be happier for our program. Now, you've had a lot of talent, Keith, so this obviously speaks to the fact that it's extremely hard to win a title on the road. So just saying that, what went into it? What kind of makeup do you have on this roster to be able to not only compete but actually win this road title? Yeah, you know, golf is one of those unique sports where a home course advantage has such an important bearing on on the outcome, just knowing the golf course, your comfort level, uh, you know, your, your, just your mindset going in to the tournament. Uh, we had a lot of guys that have played, played the golf course a lot in their career. So they had the experience. They, they knew what to expect. And then uh, we also had a first-year Jack McGuire who'd never seen the golf course before. And he kind of almost brought a little bit of that youthful exuberance and naivety to the plate and just uh, went out there and played fearless. It was really, really exciting. How nervous were you that last day? You know, I wasn't as nervous as probably it, it, we could have been just because we were ahead of the lead groups, so we were kind of trailing the whole time, just kind of playing our game. Uh, we were never really in a position to, you know, have to worry about holding the lead or anything like that. The lead kind of fell into our hands after we'd posted our number and we're watching the scores come in. So uh, anytime you go into a final tournament and you're in contention, once we got into the back nine, I knew that it was going to be close. So the weather conditions started changing. Our guys really dug in and fought hard and made a couple birdies on the back nine. And I knew that if we could, if we could post a number, once teams saw that, you know, that might cause them to start gripping the club a little tighter and, you know, might change their game plan a little bit. And unfortunately for them, but fortunately for us, it did. Describe Alex Morrison's Monday, especially after a couple of bogeys to start. How was he able to come back and kind of put that out of his mind and have the kind of round that he did? Alex displayed one of probably the best displays of just resiliency that that I've seen in all of the rounds uh, that I've coached during during my career. He's played a bunch of other sports in, in high school and in growing up, and so uh, he's got the, you know, kind of that, that fighter mentality, and I knew that he wasn't going to be phased by a couple bogeys early on in the round. I wasn't quite prepared for the uh, the amount of birdies that he did make coming home, uh, you know, kept capping off with, uh, with an incredible birdie on the last hole to to shoot a career low by a few strokes. It definitely was more than more than two, I want to say. He shot his career low. Um, but just the way that he uh, you know, has kind of matured throughout his career and the determination that he displayed on Monday was really just a, a, a treat to watch. Jack McGuire also had a great tournament coach. What are his strengths? Jack has played in, in tournaments all over the country at a variety of levels, both you know, junior golf, amateur golf. Uh, he's even competed, you know, as an amateur in professional events and had success. So he kind of, I kind of told him going into the year, you know, keep all that in your back pocket and remember where you've been and what got you here. And, uh, you know, in the first round, he, you know, we kind of talked and he said, you know, candidly, he was a little nervous. A couple of our senior leaders, you know, kind of pulled him aside and we talked about, you know, how there's nothing left to prove at this point. You're, you're here. You have an opportunity. Let's swing for the fences. Let's, let's give it our, give it our all. It really just, uh, he, he just, he played confident and then that lit a fire under him. And, uh, you know, obviously going out and playing the way he did was great. Give me an overview of the fall season, coach. How did it go? Sorry, you hear the, uh, the, tra- the train has arrived. You got some noise in the background here. My apologies to our listeners. Um, the fall as a whole, really, you know, obviously with, with finishing off as we did, you know, kind of give a great message to uh, the guys going into the off season and our prep and our training and all that. Um, you know, we, we kind of, you know, experienced some uh, adverse moments in the early on when we, uh, you know, kind of faltered a little bit at home and then Cornell the week after. And then uh, after that, some guys really started playing with a spark and, um, you know, really kind of, you know, up their preparation and their compete level and things of that nature. And then taking, taking the trip to Denver as we did um, really, really gave some of our, our upperclassmen some great experience on a national stage. And by doing that, we kind of realized, like, hey, you know, we can, 
we out at Denver, we shot the low round of the tournament, the second round. That kind of gave us some confidence to say that we can we can play with anybody. And so it really just kind of um, you know catapulted us to uh, a strong finish for the semester. I love the train sound effects in the background, Coach, and I think uh, even when you're not on a train, we're going to have to pump those in just uh, because we can't go back now that we've heard the train sound effects. They really add a lot. I appreciate that, Coach. What can the golfers do now to keep sharp until March? What's going on now from this time period until you guys get ready for your first spring tournament? We've been grinding since the first day of classes, so we're going to give the guys a little bit of time to themselves to make sure that they focus on their studies you know, really, really make sure they finish the semester strong. The guys are working hard to physically better themselves. We're working out a few days a week with conditioning, uh, you know, supervised workouts and things of that nature. Uh, as the semester draws to an end, we might look to uh, do some individual skill sessions in our indoor facility just to kind of plant some seeds for uh, the spring period. You know, this is kind of just a time to rest up, recap, you know, look at our, our stats, uh, set some goals for the spring, and then just kind of uh, look to kind of slowly build towards uh, our spring season, which is, uh, it's, and I know it's not till the later half of March, but it'll be here before we know it. Is that a disadvantage being in the Northeast, Coach, the indoor facility, not quite like being outdoors, or you can really get a lot done on the indoor facility and it's not that bad? We're able to do most things that we need to do in an indoor facility environment. There's no, there's no way to replicate the sensation of um, you know, hitting off of grass and watching the entire ball flight. The technology that's out there now allows us to get a lot of feedback and a lot of numbers on what we're doing. All of that said, certainly schools with better weather have a little bit of a wider golfing uh, season to, um, you know, see the ball go and, and play and things of that nature. But uh, really, you know, we, we, you know, the spring break trip is huge for us. That's kind of like our condensed crash course to get ready for the spring. The weather definitely plays a role, but with uh, technology, we're able to... Uh, do pretty much as well as we possibly can. Setting goals for the spring, Coach, how is that done? Do you meet with the players? Do you set the goals yourself? We will have both one-on-one meetings uh, on an individual level uh, you know, with each player to go over goals specific to that individual, but then we also meet as a team and set team goals. We're an individual sport, but at the same time, uh, you know, we play as a team for a team result and a team score, and so you want to you know, make sure each guy has their own uh, you know, goals and things to shoot for and work towards, but then also as a cohesive unit, you know, making sure we keep our, our eyes on the team prizes, uh, you know, is what, what, what we represent at the end of the day as a team score. I know the student athletes deserve the credit. They put the work in, Coach, but I also think it's the openness, the open thinking by you, as you already mentioned during the interview, and all the Colgate coaches that the students do so well. Saying that, Coach, how proud are you when you see an article like is posted on GoColgateRaiders.com that Colgate Athletics maintains elite graduation success rate? That must be a good feeling, and it never gets old, I would assume. Every time you see it, that's got to feel real good. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the uh, you're a student first and an athlete second, and everything you do in the classroom takes precedence over anything in the athletic field or court or course or anything of that sort. So for the university as a whole to maintain its top tier status, uh, you know, focusing on the importance of being, you know, a student first and, and graduation rates and all that. And I, I want to say, and forgive me for, uh, you know, kind of bragging a little bit here, but I believe that since the NCAA has been tracking uh, APR, academic progress rate, uh, I think our team specifically at Colgate, we have been perfect uh, every year since the, uh, the implementation of that record. So to combine uh, a perfect APR, and then have the university, the athletics department as a whole, maintain the graduation rate that we do. Uh, that's, uh, you know, that means we're doing something right. Congratulations on that, Coach. And even though the fall season is over with, we know your passion for golf burns 24-7. So that has a little bit to do with the reason why we're hearing the train in the background uh, in the New York City area Tell us a little bit uh, how you're keeping busy as far as golf is concerned. I had the, the great fortune and honor of uh, caddying for a close friend of mine in a series of matches called the Carry Cup. And the Carry Cup is representatives of the Metropolitan Golf Association against the Golfing Union of Ireland. And they play every two years, bouncing back and forth between the U.S. and Europe. Uh, and, a, and a close friend of mine who I've been close with for a while asked me to caddy for him in it. And the dates ended up working out. Uh, and today was the... Uh, the final, the final series of matches, and they had a. Uh, uh, there were there's only six players, so I mean the total of uh, 12 matches and 12 points per day. 
they had a, a quite an, uh, a big hole going into singles matches today. They ended up needing to get four and a half out of a total six points total uh, to uh, win the cup because a tie goes to the previous winner. So they needed uh, six and a half out of out of twelve. And lo and behold, a, uh, a putt went in on the last hole for uh, for the MGA squad to uh, win uh, six and a half, five and a half to uh, take over the cup. It was a really, really fun thing to be a part of, falling you know in unison with the special moment that uh, our you know our Colgate team shared, winning Bucknell. Uh, but just to kind of be a, a smaller part of something like this uh, on an international stage was uh, not only great just for me and my perspective of the game of golf, but also uh, really special to be uh, you know in, incorporated with the MGA team. On that's awesome, Coach, and thanks for sharing with us on the podcast. Really appreciate it. Really appreciate the time, and I can't wait till the spring season gets here because I can't wait to talk to you again and find out what the Colgate golf team is up to. Thank you, Coach, and congratulations once again on the Bucknell Tournament title win. Thanks, Eric. It's always a pleasure catching up. I appreciate you having me. That is Colgate golf coach Keith Tyberski, and that will do it for another Colgate Raider Report podcast. Until next time, be proud to wear the maroon and white.